I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Union Bank Global Linker, a free digital platform that empowers Filipino MSMEs to digitize their business and go global. Sign up now at unionbank.globallinker.com to get a free ebook on surviving COVID-19 for your business. Also by Ideaspace, a nonprofit supporting innovation and technopreneurship as a path to nation building. Ideaspace runs an annual startup competition. For more information, make sure to sign up for their newsletter at ideaspacefoundation.org slash connect. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. I'm very, very Harry Potter stringent, but at the same time, I also don't like having any sort of depth. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Bate Young. Welcome to episode 98 of the Hustle Share podcast. My name is Ronster, and I'm your host. And this episode is powered by Union Bank Global Linker a free digital platform that empowers Filipino MSMEs to digitize their business. We are a proud affiliate of the Podcast Network Asia, but before we begin, we'd like to remind you that this podcast contains not safe for work language. So make sure there are no kids when you're listening to this. Because today we're going to be featuring an amazing woman who's led a lot of amazing startups here in the Philippines. And her name is Crystal Lee Gonzalez of Picaroo. 
before Crystal shares with us how she's going to revolutionize the on-demand delivery app that she's going to use, she's going to go back to how she started her hustle by taking up business from a family of medical professionals, where she right away applied this in the very first jobs that she took on, working for big conglomerates and brands. Now, Crystal had to make big adjustments when she jumped into tech as a young executive, and she's gonna tell us how she was able to upskill and become a good leader in tech companies like Yahoo. Now, Crystal didn't stop there because she became the very first country head of Viber in the Philippines, where she was solely responsible for growing Viber to what it is now. And then she will also talk about the lessons she learned by scaling and also failing with Honestbeak. Now the hustle doesn't stop there because she has unfinished business and she will tell us how she aims to do that with her very new app, Pickaroo. Now stick around till the end because she has amazing tips that you can learn from, especially in terms of launching, scaling, and in cash flow. So if you're ready to learn the hustle behind Pickaroo, let's begin this episode right now. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We finally got a unicorn in the show, right? This is the mm-hmm. only unicorn that I know hanging around in the Philippines because most unicorns prefer cold, you know, cold places. But this unicorn is about to serve you the good stuff. But before I let and get carried away and talk about mythological creatures, I want to welcome our next guest in our latest, not, not next guest, latest guest, Miss Crystal Gonzalez of... Pikaru, Pikaru, Pikaru. Sorry. <laughs> what the hell am I doing? Thanks for being on the show. Hello. Hi. Okay, sorry. I I mess that up. I usually mess that up, but I don't edit it because people know that majority of the time I mess up. So, okay, I, I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, before we even press record, uh, I told told you like I was standing this girl from way back because she 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 has an ability to really put things over the top and now it's I want to understand you know how you were able to do that and dissect it but before I get carried away we've been asking the same old question for 98 episodes now but Crystal what's your hustle yeah so hi first of all hi everyone um thanks for having me here um yeah so currently my hustle is Picaroo. Mm-hmm. which is um, the very first premium all-in-one and on-demand um, delivery app um, in the country. And actually, in Asia. So when we check, there's actually no existing app that's comparable to ours. Um, yeah, so that's my latest hustle right now. Yeah, and again, I've been standing some of your hustles, but I only caught you in one of them uh, hustles because, again, I was in nightlife. For, my first startup was also a night, it was an app. Uh, in around, I watched that around 2012, 2013. It's called Party File. And the app oh. game is not easy. I've been there and I don't think I'll ever do it again because it's super not easy. It's not built for everybody. But before we get carried away, I want to buckle up because I want to understand how you built your hustle. And we're going to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. There, it still sounds like a fairy tale. But again, I want to understand, uh, Crystal, when you started out, right? Uh, what was the first uh, inclinations or first uh, recollections that you've had 
hustling at an early age? Uh, and was business really something that you thrived in growing up? Yeah, so, well, I, I remember even, you know, my one of my first memories, right? As much as I played with, you know, kitchen stuff, Barbies and all this, mm. um, one weird thing I remember always doing, even when I was young, was I would have these, like, receipts um, mm. from National Bookstore, okay. like those official receipt-looking receipts. Okay. And I would act like, you know, an accountant or like a manager and sign them and put like prices and products <laughs> in. Like wow. the moment I learned how to write and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, so I would do that. Um, I think even before I learned how to write, wow. I would like sign. That was and your notepad. <laughs> yeah, in a way. And I remember because, well, my mom, I, I remember my mom, like let's say signing checks or okay. doing wow. stuff like that. Um, that. I think that influenced me a lot. Plus, I grew up um, I remember when my both my both my parents were working, mm-hmm. I hung out a lot, even as early as nursery, with yeah. my aunt, who's a director of a hospital. Mm-hmm. And um and she always had me around. And I think I right after school, um, yeah. I'd be in her office because well, my dad's also a, a doctor like her, and my dad was just in the in the other floor working. Um, so I was exposed to her doing meetings, holding big meetings. Um, you know, having all these people go to her. So that's my early childhood recollection, which I realized like eventually really um, impacted me. And I guess like, you know, like um, it also affected how I, how I wanted to be, especially since my aunt was also a woman. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was my impression of what women do. Like they, they, they manage and they run stuff. So I thought that influenced me a lot. And then as for like businesses, I think, my earliest recollection was I think I was in grade four mm-hmm. um, and I started to sell specifically funny enough. I okay. started to sell really cute like underwear. <laughs> okay. Wow. Grade four. There was some market for underwear back then. <laughs> grade four to grade five. Like, because wow. I, I was, I studied in an all girls school and you know, ah, yeah. And when you're grade four, Four or grade five, you don't really like. You're still like awkward stage, and you're not really comfortable to to buy um, Mm -hmm. inner garments, right? And I found, I mean, they were they weren't sexy or anything, but they were cute, and you know, they had all designs. Which back in that back in like back around that 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 year, I think you know. Now I'm sure like all kids can buy like all kinds of designs like anywhere, right? Right. But that time there were limited options. We're not allowed designs, and I. I, my other aunt were were selling some, mm-hmm. um, like she she always brought like I think imported stuff from from other countries, mm-hmm. um, in Asia and brought it here. And then, you know, I decided to sort of consign and mm-hmm. like sell it to them. And yeah, it was sold out. So that that was I think my first first encounter of like, huh, this is fun. Like you know, selling okay. stuff and you know finding a niche market or mm-hmm. a product that, you know, like. And it was comfortable to buy from me because I was their classmate, right? Correct. You can't really ask your mom or, you right. know, like that time to be like, hey, can I have like some, you know, like other kinds of undergarments? Yeah, they're going to be like, why? You know, so, so I was like the comfortable choice. Like, wow. yeah. Right. And especially again, there's no e-commerce back then. You know, the best you can yeah. get is really, again, uh, in the few malls back in that time. <laughs> Correct. It's, it's you know direct selling as as they call it. But you know you 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 can sign it for your hand. That's amazing. So 
there you go. From a very young age, you really had, you know, the guts to do that. Because most kids, I had to go through that a little bit growing up when, but it was by force. I lost three phones in one month. And my mom is, you know, I was being a total idiot in college. So my mom was like, yo, uh, I don't have money anymore. If you want to buy a phone, you need, I have makeup here. And you, you right. can sell it. So I was selling makeup <laughs> in college. Yeah, I was already in college. It's totally the most embarrassing thing. But I was, that's also when I realized that, you know what? Selling is such a power th- powerful thing. Just because you once you get over that initial hump or the first wall, which is embarrassment, once you get over that, you can now conquer anything. Right? Because most of the time, people frown that's upon true. selling because like, ah, shoot. It's so it's so annoying that I you know I ha- why do I have to do this? But once you accept that fact, man, you're gonna make a lot of money. There you go. But here's That's one thing I, I wanted to dissect because when you took uh, when you went to college, I'm I'm in your LinkedIn by the way, stalking you from the very start, <laughs> from the very bottom. You took up masters of science and management. Most yeah. uh, people that I know, not all, again, not generalizing, never ever generalize generalizing who have uh, parents in the medical field also suggest that their children go into oh, yeah. to medicine. How did you uh, define the path that you wanted to be in business? Well, lucky enough, as much as I mentioned, William, a lot of my family are doctors. So my aunt is actually a neur- The aunt I, I mentioned who is a director, mm-hmm. she's actually a neurologist. Wow. And my dad, thankfully enough, is a psychiatrist. Which is amazing for me, I think, because I grew up with a parent that was just the most supportive, the most understanding Mm. person I know up to this day. Um, Like, you know, he never even pressured. um, We're only two sisters. Mm -hmm. My sister followed his footsteps, actually. My younger sister is actually now also a psychiatrist like my my father. But I think... Growing up in that kind of environment, so my mom, my mom used to be a banker. Um, after, like before she retired, when she and she retired after my my sister was born. But they were just both very, very supportive. We grew up in a household that just you know let us be. They let us play. We never really had strict schedules or or anything like this. Um, so yeah, like there was really never any pressure, even. Even in school, or more, all the more like you know what course to take or anything like this. So even in terms of activities and hobbies, mm-hmm. um, it was re- always up to us what we liked. Like uh, when I was young, I was um, taking ballet lessons mm-hmm. and singing lessons. But that was because I liked it okay. more the more than because my mom liked it for me. Nice. So yeah, I think that's that was a big big part of you know like how we both grew up, me and my sister. Okay, now let's talk about how after school was because you have a very celebrated career and the stints you've had here blows me away like what i keep saying what that's amazing but let's start at the very first job because no matter how yeah. good you are again in 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 school and whatnot everybody goes back to zero it's a level playing field again oh, but sure. the people sure. that you know get get a head start are able to to find either one of the two or both First of all, first of all, they get a good boss because someone actually can mold them and give them the second part, which is the right skills, so that they can shorten the learning curve. For you, after school, what was that first stint that you had, and what were the first things that I guess the the your mentors or your early bosses taught right. you? 
Well, luckily, luckily, when I was in master's, so how it all started was I was in my master's program, and we were required to, since since the master's program in, in my school was like cut to a year and a half, which is normally two years, mm-hmm. um, it was super hectic. Plus, one of the main requirements is to uh, be working, I think, in the latter, in the ah, like last. Already. Yeah. And I was very lucky because um, in my master's program, um, they opened up this um, company called that time EPLDT, mm. um, which is also under the PLDT group. And they opened yeah. up like um, four slots for that okay. very specific internship. And I got in. Ah, nice. um, and that's how and I interned there. And after interning there, and actually, interestingly enough, that's also how. Um, so technically, what I consider my first boss was my boss there okay. in in EPLDT, and his name's RJ. And I learned so much from that guy. He's okay. literally my first boss, even as an intern. And after my stint in EPLDT, I got recommended by somebody in EPLDT to work for Smart, which is a sister mm, company. And I interviewed and all that, and that's how I got my. So my first real job actually was uh, in Smart. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, right after, right after graduating, I I I already had a, a job and I got in um, nice. smart. So that's how my first job started. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm curious about again the skills, right? Because re- a lot of kids or a lot of people coming up come out of college. Some of some are con. It's really a matter of confidence, right? <laughs> you know, that's that's what sets the, the ones that really get far early. Um, you, I'm pretty sure you were very, very confident coming in because you wouldn't get these opportunities if you weren't, right? But um, aside from confidence, you need to turn that potential, potential into real skills. What were the skills you learned in SMART and your next stints, I guess, because you did SE Lauder as well, right? But in SMART, yes, right. that's, that's a big company to, to start with. And at the forefront, this is where SMS it's, it's was exploding. Company, yeah. My uh, gosh. Yeah. So, what was that like? And what were the skills you learned and the, the things that, that really you realized very early on that okay. in that thing? Yeah, so obviously I was so new, you know, I was even if I took my master, I was, I'm still a fresh grad, right? Um, yeah. it, it helped that I had an internship and I sort of had um, a little bit of um, awakening even mm-hmm. before really, really going into the real world because of that internship. But um, working from EPLDT, which is obviously a lot smaller company or a, a smaller team, and then moving into a, like it's like an ocean. Um, being yeah. in Smart and that time, right. the the world pretty much or the country revolved around those two telcos. Yep. <laughs> and up to now, there's still just two of them. So the competition, right. the everything like how fast paced it was, mm-hmm. um, how big the teams were, and it you know it was a full-on legit like corporation mm-hmm. um i think like some of the learnings i think that i take up to this day is um really pretty much just having thick skin yes. <laughs> also um yes. especially i remember coming in there i was so young i was one of the youngest i think um in especially in my role um that was one and um, I think it was good though in a way because I came in honestly the opposite of what you said that I was confident. I came oh. in super insecure. Yeah. No wow. like, I came in really feeling very insecure. Like I'm so young. Like, um, you know, I felt, I really felt like I, yeah, I really felt like I had to prove myself. Okay. Um, and then I still remember feeling like it was still a very male dominated mm. kind of company. Um, 
Yeah, so I really learned to be a bit more like thick-skinned or like, okay. you know, like not take things personally or anything. So if my boss right. told me like, hey, you know, like we're we're presenting tomorrow and, you know, wear something nice, right? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't feel like, oh, wow, harassment or anything or that's yeah. offensive. Like I took it as like, well, I am a woman and it does help if you look a little nicer in the meeting. Correct. Power, power <laughs> so, dress per se. Yes, and my our role, um, our role that time, like in my in our department, it was very new. It was called mobile advertising, oh, wow. um, and that was the time when you know SMS was the thing. Yeah, yep. <laughs> there's no Facebook yet that time, so yep. everybody was so into this new thing called SMS advertising, where you can send millions of people a personal message on their phone. Correct. That was already personal advertising yep. in 2005. No push so, notifications yet. Just yeah, a lot of SMS. So, <laughs> no regulation yet that time. Correct, even. correct. Yes. So it's fair game. Now there is a regulation. So it was super new. It was super fun. Um, you know, we had to pitch. I personally had to pitch as well um, to all these other big companies. So our wow. my, my clients that time were um, like Nestle, Procter & Gamble, um, wow. Unilever. Um, those were the... And like how my boss that time, um, I think like taught me was just being an example so okay. I, I i observed him he let me like you know shadow him and then eventually he just sent me out on my own um yeah. and it was i think i was lucky because that time the the people i worked with are my bosses they were like older brothers they weren't yeah. too old they, they were just right like and so it felt more like a big brother teaching you or helping you um learn stuff versus really like having like you know yeah. a very serious a boss yeah yeah so mm-hmm. and i got to really i remember that time since i was still so young right i was in my 20s right. um i even got to talk about them talk to them about my personal life like yeah. you know if i had a love problem and they would advise me <laughs> which is yeah. i think super important so at a very early age i think i was tested already on how to balance and control you know personal life versus like work so mm. yeah like i remember i remember them like teaching me that you know like um you have to be able to to still get your shit together pretty much yeah, yeah. um you know like regardless of what was going on right um mm. and i think the fact that it was you know a big corporation and corporate like i learned all these other added stuff like processes mm-hmm. organization structure um how to work in teams and a lot of different teams because yes. um especially in telco there's really i think i remember attending meetings and there would be 20 to maybe 30 people even oh in one <laughs> that's a and, party or email, yeah it's a party or like email trails that had like yeah the same 20 to 30 yeah. people that you needed to add and copy in um because yeah. in startup actually it's the opposite in startup it's yes. very different like Correct. you keep meeting short and small yep so it was so nice to have experienced also that kind of of learning and you know the whole seeing how bureaucracy is and all mm-hmm. these very corporate things um mm-hmm. i really learned so much to be honest yeah. correct and when you taste startup life eventually down the road like oh my god so this you you have uh it's you know the ability to yeah correct you have uh <laughs> you have the ability to you know adjust because some people that also just did start up straight up don't have will have the i had to go that that struggle that um once i got uh what my company chatbot bh acquired all of a sudden everything was bureaucracy filled oh my god what is this right and i had to learn okay. the hard way but uh, before we take our last break after smart you did estee Lauder. now you yes. are the marketing manager 
And at such a young age, given that big responsibility, how did you mm. upskill become becoming being the follower to becoming the leader? What did you apply and how did you attack that opportunity? That was a big challenge for me, especially because I think I got the role. I was really young. Um, so I was the youngest again. Um, but this one's different because you're you're really leading it. Um, so I remember the too. first Yes, and it, yeah, it was a mother like it was a mother brand of the whole Estee Lauder group, right? Because right. um, Estee Lauder also owns Mac and all these other popular yep. brands like Clinique and all these. But Estee Lauder is really the most premium mother brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was my first time to encounter leading, leading people for one. Mm-hmm. But more than that, I had to lead people that were even the same age as my mother. Wow. So I had, um, yeah, I had people under me, the beauty advisors, or some of them have been there for over 10 years. Um, They were the ones that, you know, really um, client, do client facing with the customers in the malls. And they're the ones that you call beauty advisors. They're they're highly trained and all of this. They know all the product and they've been there um, for many years. Mm -hmm. So to be honest, I researched a lot. (laughs) I I remember even researching that time in in, like online. Mm -hmm. Um, you know how to I even think I I, I watch some movies. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> no, but you need um, it because these people that have been there forever, they already yes. have tradition to back into. And especially exactly. if you're coming in young and all of a sudden you ruffle the the feathers and they're 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 gonna gang up on you. It's like, nope, exactly. this is how we do things, right? And it's hard to get buy in if you don't get them to be on your side. Exactly. So my approach that time, at least, you know, like I, what I thought was, was what worked was, you know, like not coming in, like, you know, everything for one, because you don't. (laughs) So I embraced the fact that I was young and I acted as a young person. So I asked them to teach me and I learned from them actually. Um, So that's, I think that was a big, big learning for me because um, it was a very challenging and yet very humbling experience exactly because, you know, you, you can't come in just acting like all-knowing or that you know better. So I think that helped. Um, so my approach that time and the learning was really to just just learn from them. They've been there longer. Um, really study the business. That was also my first time to, I think, take on like a, a full P&L wow. um, by myself. And mm. it was um, there were no systems or like advanced systems yet at that time. Everything we did like manually pretty much. Forecasting of inventory. And the inventory, when you talk about makeup, is like hundreds with different colors and iterations. So projecting for those in an Excel sheet manually was, I think, a true test of, <laughs> of patience and Correct. I guess, yeah, hard work. Um so those are, I think, some very memorable things I remember with Estee Lauder. But those are core skills. If you're going to be ever a head honcho or a big leader in a company, you cannot survive without Excel. It's impossible. right? It's if you true. don't have this core skill, you're, you're not going to make it. I'm sorry. No matter how good you are in people skills, because these are hard skills that, you know, especially if you're dealing with data, good luck if you don't have that, that skill at the back pocket. Right. Yep. Okay. Now, Crystal, let's take our first break and when we come back, let's now proceed to how you got into tech. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back in the break. We're still with Crystal Gonzalez of Picaru, who again uh, tell, told us, tell us, what the hell is tell us? <laughs> told us of how she then grew up becoming a manager. But after that, this is where it gets interesting because now after Estiladere, you became uh, part of the Yahoo team as a strategy manager and eventually the marketing head. Yahoo is pure tech. And they were, you know, uh, at that time, 2010, 2011, 2012, they were right hand in hand with Google, right? What was that experience like? And, and right. from a PH perspective, I know a lot of ex-Yahoo peeps who are now leading other companies too in what they do. So mad yeah. props to those people. But what was that like for you? Yahoo for me was my dream job. Um, I mean, I thought Estee Lauder was my dream job because I was in my young early twenties and it was make it's makeup, of course. But then Yahoo to me, like I've been a fan of Yahoo since I was even working in Smart. It would be my homepage. I would look at it every day. Um, it's where I base all my news. It's my email and all of this. So I was a fan, maybe for three to four years even before I got to work there. So it was truly, truly my dream job. Like I didn't even care what position I got. I kept applying online um, for maybe two years before I got a call from them. And I actually thought I got a call from them because I kept applying online. It turns out it had nothing to do with it. (laughs) It They will get like hundreds or maybe thousands of like applications, right? So it had no connection. Um, But eventually, yeah, I got a, I got, interviewed and mm. it was more for a sales role actually or a strategy role that time which is part of the sales team 
So Yahoo started in the Philippines more as like a sales team okay. um, initially. So it was very cutthroat, of course. Um, you know, we just had to keep selling and selling and reaching our numbers. Mm-hmm. But I was lucky that the team I had and the boss I had, which who up to now is my mentor, her name's mm-hmm. Arlene. Okay. Um, she's well, she's a mom. She was a mom, um, but she was a mom even to us, which was so good for me because she really mentored us. Um, you know, like she really molded us. She spent time training us. She spent time correcting us. She meddled with our personal lives and really mm-hmm. guided us to the core. Okay. Um, but what I liked about Yahoo is they really trained um, their people. So they sent my Yahoo experience was so fun and especially at the young age, you know, like I got to travel, which when you're young, fun. I got to tra- traveling for free. is already like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I got to stay in a nice hotel in Singapore. Yeah. I was, yeah. I went to the Yahoo office. Mm-hmm. Yahoo was, Yahoo was super popular at that time, especially mm-hmm. in the Philippines. It right. wasn't, I think as popular in other countries other than YM the US. YM is king back then. <laughs> YM was the yes. king, right? Yep. So the fact that we even said YM, right? So, so I was just obsessed with it. And like I said, right. I was a fan anyway. So mm-hmm. it really felt like a dream come true. Mm-hmm. So every single day I went to work, everything I did, you know, like every task didn't feel like a task to me. It felt like right. an excitement. I had so much joy. And, mm-hmm. you know, like um, I remember I was with somebody that time and he was so upset at me for it, saying I was a workaholic. But, <laughs> but that's the thing. It didn't feel like right. work. Exactly. So You're just having I so much fun. Mind. Yeah, I didn't mind if I was asked to to do to. So my job that time was like a strategy manager, which meant okay. I had to make all the presentations as well mm-hmm. on PowerPoint. It was just PowerPoint that time, so mm-hmm. all the presentations mostly, um, yeah, were I had to do it, and I also had to do the actual. Um, we called it an IO insertion order, like I, ha- mm-hmm. which means it's like a technical order, and it's okay. how it was put in the system if there's an ad that was placed. Mm-hmm. So. I found it so fun being able to do the presentations and really create strategy and think. But at the same time, I also had a little bit of technical work to do. That exactly. literally, if you made an, a mistake in that in um, insertion order, like right. in, and you need to prepare it in an Excel sheet first, and eventually it goes in the system. If you let let's say made a mistake with like one zero, mm-hmm. like that could differentiate from like one million to ten million. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's how horrible and like and scary oh, it was. Wow. Wow, so very small room for mistakes or if no room at all, right? The the charging to the clients was based on sort of like airtime and TV, but Mm. this one, sort of the units or the impressions. CPM. It's called impressions. Yeah, CPM. I think CPM wasn't even a thing at that time, but yeah, for impressions and all of this, like one added number could literally change everything, right? So yeah, so I thought that was really a lot of learning for me as well. How did the Yahoo experience um, change your perspective in tech? Because prior, yes, Smart is uh, right. pretty uh, a progressive company, but still, it's not as tech as Yahoo, right? Um, huh, what, how did that change? Because I'm pretty sure you learned a lot of things in that stint that you were able to apply when you were the head honcho in Viber and you know Canva and in, in right. Honesty, right? Not right, not. But you know, once you get the taste of tech, it sticks. Right, it's 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 so it's liberating yeah. in a way. Right, I think for me, first thing I noticed was really the culture because before Yahoo, 
Smart and Essie Lauder, it's still very corporate. Like Essie Lauder is still a corporation. It, it's mm-hmm. a very, you know, corporate-based culture and the ways of working was still very corporate. So Yahoo was my first taste at tech and mm-hmm. almost like, not really startup, but tech in general. Yeah. Um, so I really loved how fast-paced and how dynamic it was and how how much innovation and evolution there was in general. Correct. Um, and how every day was really different from the mm-hmm. other day. Something I noticed with, um, in comparison to, let's say, my job in Estee Lauder, like a lot of things were the same. Mm-hmm. So it's more tradition-based versus in, in tech where you can't be bound by traditions just yes. because digital and technology is just, it keeps it changing. Evolves. And you really <laughs> need to keep evolving, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I like that. Plus, I really, really like that for the first time in my life, and I was still quite young that time, I didn't feel like a young person. I felt like just like anybody else, mm. even if a lot of my colleagues were older than me. Like, it didn't matter. Okay. That's like, amazing. it didn't seem like a thing. Um, yeah, so I, that's the first time I think I felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had equal opportunity mm-hmm. compared to anyone. Like, we right. all had the same opportunity regardless of your background, your experience, or your age. Mm-hmm. Um and I think, of course, the people you work with, right, and the kind of culture, I think I realized how important that is for growth. Mm. So great. Yahoo, for That's me, great. was really, really a great like um, place to grow, not just as a professional, but even as an individual. Um, so yeah, like I said, it was, it was more like family in, mm. in a way versus, you know, like corporations. It's, it's, yeah, it's very different. Like, you really right. feel like you go there to work, you know, like business is business. So... With with Yahoo, even when you when eventually I met the regional people, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it 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 still felt a bit close knit. Like I got to even talk to the regional head and all of that in wow. in, in corporation. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I remember in in Smart before I made the mistake of sitting beside <laughs> the marketing head that time, who was like the god MVP, just the marketing head. Yeah. yeah, the the not even MVP, yeah. Um, it was the marketing head that time. So it was there was just two major bosses. One was the marketing head, the other was the sales head, right? I sat beside a conference room beside the, <laughs> the marketing head and I, yeah. I felt that I was gonna get fired that day just oh, because man. of that. I didn't even know. They don't teach you that in school. But mm-hmm. in Yahoo, you can speak go, up. Go right ahead, because, right? Yeah, you could in the regional meetings, like mm. you know, like you could ask questions, you could um, talk you could give suggestions mm-hmm. yeah like the 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 regional head attended the same conference as you like I just loved it I loved everything about it all right now let's let's up the ante a little bit because uh, I'm not gonna get into all the details because you also did a, had a short stint in Lazada and tribal world worldwide but the right. next big stint where you really came to apply all that love for tech. But now the, 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 the whole premise is different because you were the country manager of Viber in the Philippines under Rakuten. Oh, my God. And then I remember, this is where I found out about you because you were painting the town purple or violet. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> it it's, yeah. it's, it's, I, I'm colorblind. I, don't really, I can't really define. <laughs> but you were painting the town purple. In nightlife, right. and I was in nightlife. Like the clubs were purple, and Lebo Rakai was Sinulo was yeah. purple. I'm like, wow. So from that point on, what were the things now? Because even if you, no matter how much you prepare, but when you are the head honcho and country manager of Viber, which still now, mad props to you, Crystal, because Viber 
the Philippines is a vibrant country because of what you guys did. Right. It wasn't Thanks as big. Because, I'm still proud. Up to this day, yeah. whenever I hear the ringtone or somebody says Viber Me, I still yeah. get personally very killing because that was, <laughs> that was my dream. You know? That was market share galore. You ate it up, right? And everybody else yeah. didn't have a chance, right? WhatsApp, yeah, okay, <laughs> but that was Facebook before. But you just literally made it explode. But talk, talk about that experience. When you were a country manager, yeah. eventually you also become the regional head of Viber too. What was that like? Yeah. Well, honestly, I just thought it was going to be fun. My my, mm-hmm. my parents honestly thought it was crazy because, you know, it's like what? Because all the other companies before that I worked for, um, maybe other than Lazada, they were popular brands already. They were right. established. Right. Lazada, though, when I joined, it, they were also nothing yet. It was unheard of as well. Um, but yeah, Viber and the fact that it was based in Israel and I had to fly to Israel. I was still quite young that time. I think I was like 26 or 27 wow. or something. The fact that, you know, like, I mean, my, my parents were used to me traveling because in Estee Lauder and, and, yep. and Yahoo, I did travel for work. But this is something else. This is traveling yeah. to all the way to Israel yep. by myself without the group with me. Um, because before in my travels, I would be in a group. Like the, mm-hmm. the other people in the Philippines would also travel with me. This mm-hmm. one, it was just me. Like I, I was hired just me. I was alone. Mm-hmm. So my first weekend in Viber, I was in Israel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For me, that that was yeah a completely different level. Like mm-hmm. um, So I was very much in love with how the app was planned and how it has this concept of connecting freely, mm-hmm. especially that time when mobile data and internet was just so high. You yep. know, you had to be quite wealthy to even yep. be able to afford that. And, you know, like... People you their 3G signal before. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, and, you know, like, you had to limit your calls, you had to limit right. your SMSs, mm-hmm. you had to limit everything. So the best... I guess platform that time was already still YM in a way, mm. right? But this was like YM on steroids. You right. could call and chat unlimited in exactly. any country, right? Um, like anytime, anywhere. So for me, that was just, I was so mind blown with that idea. I guess because I came from Telco, I understand that the potential of something like that in a way mm-hmm. and also having worked in in Yahoo with YM, right? Mm-hmm. So the moment I learned about the platform and all this, like, it just blew me away, and I remember even before I started um, with Viber, my official day, I had a little notebook, and I already planned um, what wow. you mentioned. I, I I wrote there, like I said, Viber World and Viber Life, wow. and I just wrote that I wanted Viber to be literally everywhere and for every single person to be using it in the country. That's amazing, and again... That's a big vision, but let's dissect it a little bit because there's ultimately a mission that you when you right. come in and you're the country manager, so there's a mandate and there's a metric you need to hit. Right. Paint, oh, for paint sure. us that. What was what was the mandate and what what was the mission yep. attached to? I guess I guess the metric because at the end of the day, yes, you're gonna have to do a, a push. But you can't let your customer acquisition costs all go awry and just go haywire without having to acquire the, the users that you got. Correct. What was that? Yeah, so it was super simple actually when so on my last day they finally gave, I asked for, you know, what do I have to do? Like what are the targets like? Okay. And they just gave me two things. One is the budget for the whole year. 
and okay. it's up to me how I want to spend that. Wow. Um, whether it was hiring a team or, or you know, do spending it in marketing. The other one was the main KPI was to just acquire X amount of people. Okay. Um, wow. of fiber. That's it. So the the goal and the metrics given to me was very specific on acquisition of users. Mm. That's it. Okay. So everything we did, so I kept the team small. Okay. Actually, you won't believe it, but we were just, I think, five people. No way. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The whole time, what? that whole vibe, Barakai, the whole one vibe. Yeah. I had five people with me. No everything way. else was outsourced. That's where we put a lot of the money. So we had this thing that, well, I, I had this belief that, you know, like, um, I wanted to make sure that every dollar that we spent, it went back to the user. Absolutely. So... Like that they felt it, you know, that if you were a Viber user, you felt special, you felt privileged. So we always tried to find a way to like that you'll feel it as a customer versus just investing in these expensive commercials and celebrities, which by the way, we've never in the whole um, history of Viber paid for a celebrity. That's amazing. And you did it, you know, as grassroots as possible. Sponsoring parties where thousands yep. and millions even came up. And again, people were buzzing, you know, and, and you were you did it smartly. You're not the typical OOH. I'm pretty sure there's a little bit of that, but the way you acted, yeah. my that's goodness. The other, that's, um, that's the other thing I had. If it was already done before, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I was against, like, I hated tarpaulins. I just think, yeah, tarpaulins are useless. Like, what does it do for you? I also hated like I hated like just logos being placed. Yeah. Um, like I hate doing sponsorships wherein yeah. it's like sponsored by, and then there's ten million brands there. Um, so all those usual things we scrapped. Like every single idea and concept had to be new and never been done. Like Viberakai, like the concept of you know just. For me, it was about invasion. And that's actually how I said it and called mm-hmm. it, even in meetings. So mm-hmm. all the people that work with me will know I use that word a lot. I always said, yeah. like, I want to invade this city. I want to invade. So we invaded Cebu. We invaded. We already invaded Metro Manila. Mm-hmm. We invaded eventually Boracay, which a lot of people from Metro Manila and Cebu go anyway. Correct. Um, yeah, we invaded for me, it was invading the whole country. It's like right. playing. And I've seen that in the flesh. I was blown away. Like my goodness, how did we wanted to really pe- we wanted people to really feel the brand, um, right. and really feel free. So a lot of the things we do were, free, were we did were free. Like right. if you had Viber, you could have gotten upgraded to a VIP. to a EDM concert. Yeah. Um, if you showed you had Viber, you had a different entrance in. That time, Privé. Yeah, <laughs> or Privé. Republic. Or Opus, right? Correct, correct. <laughs> yep. That's amazing. Or any EDM concert, for that matter, since I'm pretty sure we did all the EDM. And you rode the wave at the right time because EDM was popping. It was bigger than anything it at was. that time. All yeah. these, like, yeah, like... And it was really, like, that That was, I think, the peak of a lot of the nightlife. Like, people went out not once a week. They went to the clubs, like, three times a week. Plus, attended maybe one EDM concert Mm -hmm. on the weekend. Correct. And that's where YOLO was a real thing. Like, Carpe Diem YOLO. Correct. We became YOLO, yeah. And, like, our main target market was really um, the the main influencers, which are the young people. 
they're the ones that teach their moms and dads and their titas and their lolos like what's the new thing what's the right. new app so we use those people that we knew were going to be ambassadors in their own families and true enough all the titas and now all the lolas of manila are also on viber convinced by those people got it all right now let's take again take the the the, the stakes higher again because uh, Viber wasn't the the, 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 the end. You, you you just keep upping the ante. You became the country managing director of Honesty. And you you guys, you know, painted the town yellow again. Uh, let's talk <laughs> about this this uh, this whole thing. I was a heavy Honesty user, FYI. Right. And when it, it when it crashed, I'm like, oh God, how am I going to get I know. Right? But let's talk about that. I was devastated, yeah. Let's talk um, about the highs and, of course, the the sure. the, the the low. I guess. But let's talk sure. about what was that that you now instilled, knowing what you know now into honesty, okay. and how were you able to grow it that fast? Right. So, for me, honestly, I was also a little bit scared because mm. I was so comfortable already with Viber, um, and especially we were able to break make it big not just in the philippines but eventually when we launched it in southeast asia like me and mar we also you know made it really big there so mm-hmm. but then the timing for me was also because i i, I was giving birth to my second child mm-hmm. so actually i gave birth to my first child i was launching viber like right after viber i i think mm-hmm. um i i was pregnant already so when i was gonna have my second child and i knew i couldn't sustain the whole traveling all over mm-hmm. asia plus Israel. Mm. That was when I decided to take on like a more home, um, home based yeah. or like a you know like a Manila based um, role. Other yeah. than I had to go to Singapore every so often, yeah. but I was just mind blown with the again idea of honestly, especially because I was that time pregnant. So I was about to give birth um, December that time mm-hmm. when they contacted me. And when I read the profile and what the app can do, since it already existed in, it already existed in other countries. We were mm-hmm. second to the last, I think. The Philippines was second to the last oh, wow, launch. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think after us was just Japan. So we were okay. second to the last. We, they were already available in Singapore, Taiwan, mm-hmm. and all these other countries. So I was mind blown as a mom or that time a mm-hmm. pregnant person yep. on how convenient and like it was like a dream come true that an app like that existed because it could deliver your groceries and food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for me, I was mind blown. I was in love with the idea. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, launching it for me, I looked at it like from a mom's perspective mm-hmm. and like, you know, what would be the items and brands and right. stuff that needs it to, to be there. Um, and yeah, so we actually started that from scratch. Um, I think I came in, there were maybe less than 20 people that was hired wow. already before me. Um, they didn't have, they couldn't launch also because they didn't even have a grocery partner. So they couldn't sign mm-hmm. a brand. So so the first thing I did was, you know, like try to close um, Robina. So okay. the Robinson's grocery. Yep. Um, yeah, so that happened. I'm so thankful to her. She trusted us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just exploded um, yeah. eventually. So, But in the beginning, it was scary because our right. first market study, the, the study, what the study brought out was that people were not comfortable mm-hmm. having their groceries bought for them. Yeah, that was they unheard of to, before. Yeah, that was unheard of that time. There was maybe this one small player locally mm-hmm. that, you know, like, but they never hit critical mass. So mm-hmm. it was unheard of, right? So we knew that the first thing we had to establish was the trust. 
Correct. and the hygiene and you know all these things so that was one the other was that um i didn't launch it more like a functional app but how we presented it in the beginning was that this app saves you time so what we actually sold more than just saying you know buy your groceries and food here um what we said and communicated was that this app will help you give back your time mm-hmm. and so that you can spend more time for the things that matter that's how we sold it in the beginning and it worked got it all right now before we take our last break i have two questions again this is uh uh from, from your point of view right the first question i wanted to ask uh, amid amid all these uh things but let's just factor in probably let's take a look look at it from a numbers point of view or again metrics point yeah. of view. because at the end of it you can all trace it back to a metric that did not work what metric yeah, didn't work in honesty that led to its demise for me um as a company what i learned or noticed is that in terms of metric they really weren't they really weren't smart about spending in general mm. not just with marketing Cash flow. but they hired they just kept hiring i remember they would talk about people like as if they were just disposable which i kept telling them that's not allowed in the philippines you can't just hire and then eventually them go just because you don't need them anymore so we never did that here okay but it's just how they like operated it was like and they wanted to grow at all cost mm-hmm. um and something Blitz. we always flagged yeah, something we always flagged was, you know, like a lot of the directions given were it's not sustainable for any business for that matter. Yeah. Um, so it was growth at all costs. It was very unrealistic targets um, mm-hmm. asked for, not just from us, but all countries. Mm-hmm. Um, like the growth expected was like triple digit. Oh my God. Um, How do you yeah. sustain that? Yeah, exactly. Which means the only way for you to meet that goal is if you 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 know you really bleed sort every of single steroid time on the growth and Correct. you know did massive promos and all these mm-hmm. things um but in terms of metrics yeah like they weren't careful on you know really following like roi basic rois or basic like break even point like for me it was almost and i got used to it because as you know my my background is very corporate right Correct. um like my background was Smart and then Estee Lauder, Yahoo also was very, very strict with numbers and spending. Um, with Viber, it's different because that was their goal. They really want their goal was not like sales or you know ROI or anything. They just really wanted acquisition and users because they're eventually it came out that you know they were really gonna sell and they sold their Rakuten. But for for honestly, you know, no one knew what their end game was. The CEO said like you know he wanted to be profitable, but the directions were not after profitability. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. After your growth and more investments. Yeah. So for me, I think that's a big, big learning really, you know, making sure that, I mean, I see a lot of startups do that though. I, yeah. I know for a fact a lot of the current tech companies um, are not even really PC4 or profitable. Yep. But, you know, the like for them, it's about more valuation, more investment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, it should change already at this mm-hmm. point after what happened to, you know, those companies, we work over, right. um, you know, there's already so much learnings to learn right. from that. And then you compare it with companies like, like Canva, right. Where, mm-hmm. where I worked for a time as well mm-hmm. that you see, you know, sustainable companies like that, that are able to grow, but at the same time, 
Not you know, keep a certain down. level of profit and sustainability. Mm. So, right. yeah. So, it's the Asian way of, you know, profit over anything, but still maintaining growth uh, at a healthy rate without burning the whole runway per se, right? Exactly. Now, last question. Um, you you stuck it out till the last day, and I saw I, I saw I remember this video that you posted. It you know they they were announcing one thing, and you were saying, "Hey, we're okay here," and whatnot. From right. from your point of view, because I've also lost a company, right? Party from right. the nightlife. Right. It's the most gut wrenching thing ever. You know, there's nothing like failing at that scale. But that's nothing compared to how it was. And I'm pretty sure you were the captain of the ship. And the captain of the ship doesn't, leave, that's the last person to leave. How was that right. experience for you? And what did that teach you? Hmm. Um, that time, I still had a little bit of hope. That's why, mm-hmm. you know, I like we weren't announcing we were closing or anything. Right. Because up to the last day, honestly, also kept saying they were, they still had, they never admitted they didn't have oh, funds wow. anymore. They never, ever. That's up to this up. day, the only first, first person that really told me that there was nothing was months already after I've left, the new CEO. So they ousted the CEO no in Singapore and the founder. No they ousted way. him. Eventually, the new CEO got in touch with me months after. And actually, I, the investor himself, it turned mm. out we only had this one investor, this one guy who was the grandson of LG. His name is okay. Ryan. Eventually, he called me up after I resigned and asked me to stay and if I could help, mm. you know, bring it back. But, but for me, um, my one major request to them, and I was willing to take it on. My mm. major request to them was, you know, to to pay back first the money they couldn't pay back to some of our suppliers and yes, partners. yes. I said, I'm willing to help and do as much, but if you cannot do that. It's a no go for me because so I'm I also come from an Ilocano and Chinese parents, okay. mm-hmm. which is a combination that's quite unique, which means I'm very, very kuripot or stringent. But yep. at the same time, I also don't like having any sort of debt or uta as you True. call it. Like never. Um, even in my personal life, never. So our house is fully paid, all our cars were paid. Nice. <laughs> We don't, I don't loan, meaning I don't spend beyond my means. So the okay. fact that that happened and they, they, they completely, completely held that information from wow. us. In fact, they even made it appear that the company was growing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was really, you know, like it was, it was against my values to support mm-hmm. any person or any company with that kind of yeah. thinking, right? Yeah. So the only, time we really knew the truth was to be honest that we only found out the truth when it was already starting to come out in tech in asia and Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. first hint was when i got passed on this taiwan news where in taiwan the restaurant owners started harassing the people in honesty office because we couldn't pay Uh so that happened at least a month before i decided to to close the office here and the operations yeah, and it was after they also were delayed at least twice already in oh, no. transferring funds here. Because I don't hold funds here. We don't have any right. account. They just wire we everything. Account, they wire everything, exactly. It was the same in Viber. Normally, mm. it's like, um, which a lot of people here don't understand, especially those that don't yeah. has not worked in 
for international companies. Correct. But they don't front load the money here Definitely. to you. You invoice them like a supplier. So Correct. even payroll, even everything. Mm-hmm. And the problem was even all the sales, um, even all the sales of Honestly goes to their Citibank regional account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when people say like, oh, like where's the merchant it's money? It's not like, like it's, it's not sitting there. Right? Yeah, we deposit it. We deposit mm. everything to a certain account, you Correct. know? So, yeah, so that's what happened pretty much. Mm. Okay, all right. Uh, let's take our last break and when we come back, let's now talk about the unicorn and how you're going to paint the town with unicorns. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game and again big thank you to sprout solutions liberating your time for what truly matters hey hustlers wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents well i got good news because today's sponsor uno digital bank is here to help you achieve your financial goals You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag Uno Ready Savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag Uno Earn or hashtag Uno Boost Time Deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag Uno Earn Earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. 
not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We're still with Crystal Gonzalez of Picaru, who's now going to talk about how she's going to do that uh, and, you know, uh, use unicorns to make our lives easier, especially in this pandemic. But before I get uh, to, the, to that phase of your life now, who's, again, very, very exciting, you also work for Canva. And again, I've had... Uh, after Honest, we closed down. Yeah, mm-hmm. after Honest, we closed down. Um, um, actually, the truth was that... Um, a little before I closed Honestly, I, I already started meeting with Cliff. Um, mm. Yeah, the one of the, the co-founders. co-founders. But you can ask even Cliff, who's one of the co-founders. Initially, when they messaged me, I said no because well, Honestly was so yeah. successful that right. time and I was happy where I was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was a weird coincidence that, mm-hmm. that Canva started engaging me even before what happened happened with right. with honest peace so canva actually and the co-founders were with me all throughout so they even you know wow. they got to follow it in the news and which is mm-hmm. good because i didn't have to explain myself or anything um mm-hmm. they knew what really happened and how you know the it was the hq office that really messed mm-hmm. up the finances mm-hmm. um but in a way, it was a blessing because, like, yeah, right after I had to leave Honest Bee, I, I had Canva to, you know, to yeah. take on. And Canva mm-hmm. is not even notorious. It's popular for having great culture and great, you know, a great business model that scales. So what was that experience like? At least you, you get to heal your wounds and still contribute to a very amazing team because we, we've had a country manager here uh, uh, a few episodes ago to describe the culture. But when you're now the CEO and you're the one running this whole ship, how do you then pick up, lick your own wounds and also contribute a lot to, to uh, such an amazing company? Right. So I really appreciated um, the founders specifically. They were just really the kindest, most humble, nicest people I've ever met. So it was so refreshing for me that coming from an honest bee and how toxic it was and how Mm -hmm. traumatic it was to to be with um, with the people in Canva, especially the ones in Australia. Um, So. As much as, you know, like honestly was fresh, being in, in the Sydney office um, with with the Canva people was just so refreshing on how positive they were, on how, you know, like it, it gave me hope, especially for startups, right? Because Canva is already a profitable company. Right. They 
they also unicorn. They, they also super nice. Um, they have a good app. Um, they're super creative. Yep. They had a very good culture, especially in 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 Sydney. Um, having been there, um, yeah. So I spent. I think I, I think I went to Sydney. Uh, twice i think i believe and i really fell in love with the the, the culture in sydney specifically and how i think for me the meeting the co-founders mel and cliff was just a big big inspiration right. um for me meeting all the people that have been with them since the beginning were also very inspiring right. um yeah so it was really the people in sydney um mm. the the hr head there the marketing head in sydney that's been really very helpful and i it really gave me a lot of hope especially coming from you know a, like a not so positive ending right. right with with what happened with with honesty yeah Okay, now let's talk about Picker. Because now you are doing this again. But the, the difference is you're zero to one founder. Why did you want to do, again, I, I want to understand the, the thing that, you know, delivery, you know, on demand was again where, like for me, I'm trying to attach it to my own experience. When Party File died, I didn't, I didn't want to go to any club. Till now, I haven't gone to a club. And I don't yeah. ever want to go back. But here yeah. you are again. Now it's your own company, right? With your own idea and with your own execution, with the old market that you tapped. What was that like, and what led to you uh, wanting to, you know, do unfinished business? I guess. Right. Well, so I guess like um, it's super helpful for me having learned and experienced what happened in the past with honest B because there's just so much learning to take away from that. Um, at the same time, I think all the companies I, I've been with, right. Even can bother the, right. the month, the few months that I, I was with them. I learned so much already. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that this time around, since I'll, I'll be the one running the day to day for, mm-hmm. for Pikachu, I'm the CEO for it. Um, I knew that I could use all the learnings even from Absolutely. all the learnings I mentioned earlier, even from Smart, I can use it now yes. um, for this one since I we were building it from scratch. So, mm. so Kevin, Kevin's actually the founder. Kevin was the one who approached me um, initially about you know creating something, okay. but um, before he approached me, you know, of course, like me and the my my core team and honestly, we always felt like we had this unfinished business, mm. um, and also seeing how the customers. And the partners that we had, you know, they they always said they miss honesty and they miss the service, they miss mm. the brand, um, and all of that. You know, it was really inspiring to feel yeah. that we were missed and that we were still mm. needed. So when Kevin um, Kevin approached me because he's also been wanting to create like a like a startup um, mm-hmm. from scratch um, yep. based on on the vision of you know empowering retailers, offline yep. retailers. And I also had that, you know, a feeling of unfinished business and mm-hmm. I wanted to do so many things um, okay. and evolve, evolve um, so many things even from honesty. So I didn't want an honesty. I wanted, I always had so many other plans um, mm-hmm. that I knew was needed, especially for moms like me. Okay. So when we combined those ideas and we both knew we had the passion to do something like this, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's how pretty much it start. It started. We had the meeting of the minds. Mm-hmm. We both got super excited hearing each other's um, similar visions, mm-hmm. you know, about the startup we wanted to do, mm-hmm. and we knew we 
we had to do it on our own, our way, and from no scratch. Versus, yeah, because I think I was also at that level um, or stage in my life where I wanted to do and create something of my own. Yeah. Because all my other experiences, it's just more handed to me. Like, okay. it's already a, an existing brand and an existing app. Mm-hmm. But this time around, for the first time, you know, like, Yep. There's an opportunity to create something. And yep. when the yep. moment Kevin said that, that he was open to that, that, mm-hmm. that you know, he was open to like building something together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what really, I think, got me very excited. Now, yeah. again, I, I totally agree. And uh, I can relate because nothing beats. I've always been a zero to one guy. Idea to, you know, and it's so hard. Because you you fuck up a lot in terms of getting these things done, and now you've seen perspective of you know success and you know a really painful experience in honesty. But what did you do differently now when you launched Pickerwin? and you started? All right, let's Kevin, you're in. I'm in. Let's do it. What are the right. things you did you do differently to? Because you didn't take a long time to really launch it. Some startups right. freaking take forever to just to get an MVP yeah. out and get traction. You uh-huh. did it pretty quickly. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's something Kevin and I and the team are super proud of because I would say over 70% of the work happened in the very beginning of of the lockdown, not even COVID, but the beginning of the lockdown. Because everything we did before that was more like, was not the difficult stuff. We did the branding, we did the strategy, Mm -hmm. but even the market study, timely enough, we really were scheduled to do the market study. And then the lockdown happened. So the market study even became 10 times more like needed Mm -hmm. and appropriate because everything changed. All the priorities of people and the the spending habits changed. Um, Yeah, so I think like the timing Mm -hmm. was also good, you know, in a way. Everything just felt like everything was just falling into place pretty much. Like every time we did something, every time we thought of something, like it just all the more worth, it was just reaffirmed mm-hmm. um, through the market study, for example. And then um, we got the results of the market study and then we, we it just confirmed all of the plans that we wanted mm-hmm. to do, even in terms of the categories that people needed. We knew we wanted to do beyond grocery and food, right? Because that's yep. something that's been done like three years ago. Right. It's nothing new. But what, And that's what we really wanted even last year when we were talking, that we wanted an app that really combined all your needs and essentials beyond food and grocery in one app. And we wanted it to be all on demand because there's so many online platforms right now, right? Like a lot of them are marketplaces. Um, Like you have your Shopee's and this, but it's still not on demand. Um, And we knew we also wanted to empower the brands that we work with, especially the more premium, higher quality ones. Because right now, the model of the marketplace is a marketplace, which means it's a hodgepodge of everything. Mm. So, the beauty of it was is that you know Kevin being um, having you know years over ten years or almost yeah. eighteen years of experience with malls and working in retail himself, mm-hmm. we really have an edge of really knowing what it feels like to be a retailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're really now able to empower these offline retailers that we're working with because we we know how to provide better quality. Our app operates like almost like a premium mall you see the logos 
of the brands. You don't see that anywhere else. Correct, correct. You see a hodgepodge of pictures and then yep, brand. Random things. <laughs> random yeah, things. Yep. You don't even know, like, if you're a foreigner or anybody right. new in the city, you wouldn't even know which ones are Legit. premium or good quality yeah. or not. Yeah. And so it's a hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And we don't want that because life is already stressful as it is, especially now. We want to save people the time, the hassle, the the stress of even coordinating or even worrying because like I said, it's always a hit or miss with these marketplaces. Um, and the quality for me is like something we really, really spent a lot of energies and investment on. So something I noticed also, especially being a daughter of a doctor and being mm-hmm. a mom, right? Like it's a hit or miss. Some delivery people I that delivers kind of looks a bit clean. Okay. But a lot of them, unfortunately, don't. Yep. They don't look like they wash their hands. <laughs> and they, and for me, the fact that you operated on your motorcycle and probably delivered other things, the minimum requirement should you, you at least spray alcohol in front of Sanity. me, right? Yeah. But they don't. Right. So with bigger, that's something we heavily invested on. Like our people are in full PPEs mm. and masks. Wow. And, yeah, like we and we provided this, which is again not wow. common with, with other platforms yeah. because that's our way to protect our people. We want right. to protect them, but at the, same, at the same time, we also protect our customers. So they're in full mm-hmm. PPE, they have face masks and masks. We train them and teach them. And just to be extra sure, there's a reminder in the app that they operate. They cannot accept the job without tick marking all the reminders they need to do from temperature check, they wow. need to enter it to even their there's like we ask them specific questions like do you feel like your throat is itchy do you feel like you have a cough because not a lot of people understand and are educated on the virus okay. um yeah it's so yeah those are some of the things that we really really invest on and you guys did that in such a fast and efficient way that i, I saw recently that you you when you launched you, you exceeded already the expectations of launching and i'm not surprised yeah. to be honest because you've already done it so many times in so many tech companies but what what what's the what's the future like i mean we've now right. now you're out the the kangaroo's fly i mean the kangaroo the the the, the, <laughs> the unicorn what the hell is the kangaroo is already flying <laughs> around the city right and and uh, riding along with all these riders but what's next for you guys right so for us um definitely we're super focused right now on continuing to improve the app that's something we're very obsessed about um we were very proud of that that our app and how it even looks and the user experience right now i can confidently say it's the best in the market it's Mm -hmm. the easiest to use it's the cleanest it's the cleanest you'll see and easiest to navigate um and yeah, that's one, the, the product side. But more than that, we're going to continue to expand. So we get a lot of requests from even farther cities that they want us to be available in their areas. We're already in majority parts of the metro, but nice. we're going to continue to just expand further. Mm-hmm. And in terms of brands that we have, you'll be surprised on how much like really good quality brands there are. But you don't notice them because they're not, you can't find them in just one place. Right. But now with Picaroo, we have those. So we're also busy with onboarding and prioritizing all these top partners that we have. We announced 300, I think, before we even end the month. Um, we're going to have wow. over 400, maybe even 500 bands because we've been launching wow. almost 50 brands a week. That's crazy. Yeah, 50 new brands a week. And That's these are already super curated. Like right, For them right. to even be called 
up by our business development team, you need to have been either requested in the website by a lot of people or we found you through um, through a lot of buzz or word of mouth in yeah. either communities or social media. Yeah. That is amazing. But Crystal, before I let you go, I just have a couple of questions uh, sure. that we can pay it forward to the, the right. founders and the entrepreneurs. Because again, the pandemic also has created so many entrepreneurs now that uh, you know, by, by, by force or by accident and whatnot, everybody's an entrepreneur. So it's high time. And they, I, I want to get your advice on several things. So first, what's your tip for launching? Because you've always successfully launched something without burning the, the whole thing. Right. What's your attack? Uh, for especially, say, someone's launching something, and you want to mm. get enough traction that really gives you yeah. that hockey stick moment. For me, um, and I've said it earlier, it's really about being unique and being different. Okay. Um, I've mentioned that even with Viber, we also did it in Yahoo. Eventually, when I became marketing head, we, mm. we didn't do anything that was already done before. Um, so that's something I think I consistently did for the brands I launched even for honesty, um, we made sure we we were very different. How we looked, how the personality of the brand was, in how we engaged with people, everything was just different. Um, with Pikaru, of course, that's something we knew as well. We knew we had to highlight the hygiene and sanitation because mm-hmm. that's something nobody was really doing well or mm-hmm. focusing on. We knew we had to focus on on the app and make it beautiful and very minimalist and premium because that's something Kevin and I observed that all the other apps were a hodgepodge and mm-hmm. really difficult to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so be different in everything that you do. It's all in, a lot of it is in, you know, it's in the small things, all the small details. So really making effort to be unique and different for me is like this, the main, the best thing you can do because a lot of people normally, you know, they they copy. <laughs> Let's be honest. Gaya, gaya mentality, Filipinos. Yeah. Um, they just copy. I mean, even even now, like we notice certain copies already from mm. our app that's being replicated in in this certain um, apps as well. Even if mm. they've existed for three years, doesn't even make sense to us. But right. yeah, like. I think making that conscious effort and choice to be unique and different there you go. is what will make you win. All right. I, I'm also curious in terms of management, you know, as a leader, as a, you know, CEO, what are the tools and what are the systems you like implementing across all of these stints that you've already done that never goes old, oh, that right. always gets a fit? Oh, wow. There's a, there's a couple. So ever since um, I'm used to doing weekly meetings okay. and weekly trackers. Okay. So weekly alignment meetings, sometimes even more than weekly. Um, that's super important. So I've, I've been practicing that and I probably learned that even in SMART. So okay. having those weekly alignments, having that weekly project tracker. Okay. Um, where that that's visible to everybody is also another super important thing. For me, if you don't put it on paper, it won't happen. If you don't put it on paper, plus you don't put a date on it, it'll never happen. True. So, everything you do, even on a personal level, it, it can be as small as like doing a grocery or like vacuuming the sofa. Mm-hmm. That all needs to have like a proper schedule and timing. Mm-hmm. Um. Any goal. Um, this is something I practiced, um, I think, since I was maybe really young, like in grade school. Because I learned it in one activity we did. Yep. Um, putting all your goals, 
almost like a vision board. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something very helpful. Um, you do it first in a very macro scale, like you know right. your dreams, your wishes, your hopes in life. But doing it in even work projects, um, anything, everything you want to happen, like having that sort of vision mission plus tracking it on even a daily level and making sure you're on track. That's that's something super important. Okay. Last question before I let you go. And this is something you said that's the Ilocano and the Chinese, that's the Chinoy in you. What's your advice in handling cash flow? Because especially right now, you know, everybody yeah. that's starting out, you know, it's it's very cash flow intensive. That if you right. m- miss that up, you your hmm. ability to gr- grow might be stunted as well. What's your, your tip in managing cash flow that you can actually use that cash to grow your business further? Yeah, so for me... One important tip I can give for cash flow is really think of every single centavo as like an investment. Um, like treating it that way versus like looking at it in a in amounts, big amounts or per item, because it's easy for you to justify it. Eh, um, in your head, if you want to do something like this expense, say you're gonna spend on marketing. Like this expense versus, you know, this other expense and putting a number on that versus like thinking about if you had like every centavo accounted for, like what's the best way to invest that, that it'll come back to you. Um, so before doing the cash flow, I would like try to note first and think of things that way. Like if you just had, let's say, 100 pesos or one centavo, where would you put it? And that's how you base your priorities on. The other thing, very important, not just for business, but never ever spend beyond your means. Um, And this is why I'm not a fan of lending or having utang. Whether it comes from a bank or from a friend or a family member, if you have to ask for money, or be on a negative. It it's not all. It's not a good start. It's never good to start on a negative. Correct. Right. So I think on a cash flow level, um, that's something very important. Before you spend and mm-hmm. or spend on anything, in fact, try to make sure that your 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 income and your sales is already a bit stable. So something we're proud of. That's why we we did differently in Picaru. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't even spend in our nice. <laughs> first couple of weeks. Um, the, a lot of the PR you saw, that's really organic mm. PR. Um, awesome. we, we, we have a, a PR team, but that's it. And it's, yeah. it's, it's just project-based. So we didn't even pay those <laughs> for those any of those nice. publicity nice. Um, or- that we got. That's all organic and not paid. Um, yeah, and before we even tested out some of our online ads, we wanted to see the organic. And true enough, yeah, if you have a good product, mm-hmm. you have a good vision, mission, you're genuine about your purpose, mm-hmm. um, it should work. Yeah, and for me, that's something super important. Like before you before you spend, make sure you're stable first on, on what's incoming. Because a lot of people have this thinking that you have to spend first to get something no. but that's not good because then you start at a negative already in yeah. the very beginning and you're playing catch-up um so that's for me yeah and all the more the stakes are higher and mm-hmm. you know you like you, it's like you're cramming stuff right because Correct. you're playing catch-up so 
for me, yeah, that's that's super um, that's super helpful to know that you know you shouldn't start on a negative. That's mm-hmm. correct. And one thing that the uh, I guess is related to this is because if you run a business, it's not a it's not a, a piggy bank where if you put in, you can get it out right away. You know, you have to grow it, and you have to be conscious that you're not going to be relying on your business's uh, cash flow to provide for your own as well. Right, because if you keep drawing money, say you make a sale or whatnot, and you get right away, then you're always negative. Just like what Crystal said, because it's, whether it's just an ube cheese pandesal you're selling right now or whatever, but if you always draw for your from your business where it hasn't even been able to sustain itself, it will never grow. Exactly. Yep. So I've been following that. Um, same same with Viber. Like although we didn't really have. Um, sales per se, but you know, like we didn't just spend all the money in 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 one go. Like we we had a little traction first, and then we did more marketing, and then got a little more traction, and then we did more marketing. Versus like putting everything in one basket and yes. not really knowing what works or not. So there, and then I think the other tip is you know testing things out mm-hmm. before you really fully invest in anything or spend on anything. Um, like started. being sure. Being sure to keep your overheads low, especially in the beginning, is also, I think, like another important part of cash flow. Because usually that's the big part. It's just either the the operating expenses, a lot of that also involves like the headcount as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I see some people, let's say, already wanting to invest in an office. Why? There's a pandemic. Work Correct. from your house. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Again, Crystal, as much as I really want to ask you more, I know you're busy, but again, thank you very much. I hope you had a great time. I really did. Yeah. You asked some really, really good questions. All right. Now, before I let you go, follow us in whatever podcast app you're listening to. And again, uh, if you did say some jargon, if you want to get more context over what we talked about, it's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And if you want to get involved on how we build the show, go to the Hustleshare community on Facebook. And lastly, message us in our Hustleshare chatbot at m.me slash hustleshare powered by chatbot. Again, Crystal, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Really had fun. Appreciate it. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.